Hail and well met, everyone. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a podcast by a nerd for other nerds that love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather, and I'll be your host as we journey into the wondrous land of information. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's Geek Thyself. So this week, I'm going to be talking about Eastern versus Western zodiacs, or Eastern versus Western astrology. This particular topic is really interesting for me specifically because I am pretty much 50-50 these two groups. My father is from England, as I believe I've mentioned in a previous episode or two, so obviously I have a lot of Western influence in addition to the fact that I was born in California. And then my mother is Japanese-American, so her family came from Japan several generations ago. But because of that, I have a lot of influence from both sides. So the differences and similarities between some of the zodiac and astrology information is something that I've always found very interesting. They're also very, very different, so I think it is something that a lot of people don't know as much about as they necessarily want to. Normally, I mention which book I'm using sort of towards the end, but this time I want to mention it at the front end for a very specific reason. In addition to the knowledge that I already have because of growing up with the Japanese culture and therefore knowing some about the Eastern Zodiac already, quite a bit, honestly, but because I already know some, I have that information in my head that I'm using as well, obviously. And then I'm also using a book called The New Astrology, a unique synthesis of the world's two great astrological systems, the Chinese and Western. It's by a woman named Suzanne White. I've had this book for several years. I don't know if they've got any new editions of it out. But if you're someone who's like me and either mixed racial background, specifically Asian and some other Western culture, or if you are just always have always been interested in sort of how the two go together and how they differ, then it's definitely a book I recommend checking out. The reason I mention it is because later in this episode, there's a high probability that I'm going to be talking about new astrology and calling it that. And the reason is because that's how she refers to it. She refers to the meshing of Western and Eastern astrology as new astrology, which I guess technically is fair because even though she's using two existing systems, they historically have not been put together. So I want to start off by talking about some of the differences between the Western and Eastern zodiacs and astrology because they are very different. There are some similarities, but there's a lot of differences. One of the biggest differences is how they measure the different astrological signs. So for anyone who's ever looked into their zodiac or their their astrology, especially if you've looked into both, then you would know that the eastern zodiac is divided by year. So each year is a different sign, whereas the western zodiac actually divides a single year into 12 different signs. I know there was talk of adding in a 13th not that long ago, but in my opinion, I mean, maybe it's somewhat historically accurate, but honestly, at this point, no one's going to understand or recognize that we've been using the Greek standard 12 for so long that it's just confusing. So I'm sticking with just the 12 that most people recognize. And the way that Chinese calendars are done versus 
Western calendar calendars, I can't talk today, calendars, it's also very different. So in the Chinese calendar, which is used by a lot of different Asian countries and cultures, what they do is instead of measuring in centuries, they measure in 60-year time frames. So a 60-year span is one measurement. And then within that 60-year span, there are five 12-year cycles. So basically five cycles of the full zodiac, as opposed to the Western calendar, which I mentioned already, we use centuries. We use a span of 100 years. And then instead of dividing it up by years, each year is segmented into 12 sections. And I think most people are pretty familiar with Western Zodiac, so I probably don't have to mention it. But for anyone who's never really looked at astrology, they don't split up the 12 Zodiacs strictly by month. For example, my birthday is in February, in the middle of February, and I'm an Aquarius. However, Aquarius ends on, excuse me, on February 18th not at the end of the month, and it doesn't start at the beginning of the month. So you can see things fall very strangely, which honestly, unless you know, unless you've, you know, researched it, it can be hard for a lot of people to know who is what sign simply based off their birthday, something that most people have to look up, myself included. One thing that I do also want to mention is that the Western calendar is often referred to as the Gregorian calendar because it originated back in the time of the Gregorian monks, and then just continued on. So if I refer to it as the Gregorian calendar instead of the Western calendar later, that's why. I usually call it the Gregorian, but I think Western is something more people will understand, so I was going with that for this episode. But in case I slip, now you know. So another big difference between the Chinese and the Western zodiac is that the Chinese zodiac uses animal names. As I'm sure most people know, you know, they've got rat, ox, horse, dog, whereas the celestial names that we use for the Western astrology are based off of different Greek celestial bodies. So Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aries, Aquarius, those are all sets of constellations up in the sky. The ways that the two different sets of zodiacs got their names is also very different. So I mentioned just a moment ago that the Greek or Western astrology is all different celestial bodies. And what the Greeks did and what was continued is that each different celestial body could be seen in the sky during a different time of the year. A specific span of the year is when it was most visible. So the reason that the Western Zodiac cycles the way it does is because of when those celestial bodies showed up in the sky. And they started with Aries, which begins in March. The Chinese Zodiac, or Eastern Zodiac by comparison, has a sort of fable or story that explains why the Zodiac goes in the exact order that it does. And I do just want to preface this, that there are different variations of the story. And even from country to country, the zodiac is not 100% the same. For example, in the Chinese zodiac and in the Japanese zodiac that gets used, the one I'm familiar with, there's no cat. The cat is not a thing. It's not used. It actually has a tale about why it was left out of the cycle. 
Whereas in some other countries, such as Vietnam, for example, in the Vietnamese zodiac, they do include the cat instead of the rabbit. So I'll get into that in a second. The story of the Chinese zodiac cycle and why it goes in the order it does is a combination of smarts and working together and also cheating other animals. So I've heard two different variations of the story. One says that the Buddha sent out a call to all of the animals, asking them to come join him for a feast. Another version says that the Jade Emperor wanted animals to be his bodyguards, and so he sent an immortal out into the world to spread the word to all the different animals and that they had to race to get there. So in both of these, there's a little bit of a race factor because the order they arrived in determined their ranking, and the animals were told this. However, slight variations in the stories of exactly what happened. So I'm going to start off with the commonalities and then explain the differences. The commonalities include things like the order. The order of the animals is always the same, except that, like I said, in some countries, they have a cat instead of a rabbit. However, generally speaking, it's the same. It goes rat, then ox, then tiger and rabbit, or sometimes cat. Then it goes dragon, snake, horse, goat, and monkey. And then rooster, dog, and pig are the last three. So according to the stories, what happened is all of the animals set out to meet for the feast or to get to the heavenly gate and go see the Jade Emperor, depending on which beginning of the story you're using. And on the way there, they encounter a river. So the rat, being very small, couldn't get across the river on his own, and the ox, being very nice and a little bit naive, gave him a ride across the river without even thinking about it. He just did it. Well, once they got to the other side, even though the ox was one of the fastest and would have been first, the rat jumped off his nose or jumped off his ear and ran straight to the emperor's feet. And so the rat was first and the ox was second. Following them were the tiger and the rabbit. The tiger came third and fourth because they're very fast, but the tiger was a little bit faster and the rabbit had to go hopping across the river. Then they were followed by the dragon and the snake. The story goes that the dragon flew in, of course, looking very impressive, and then the snake followed him after. I've also heard versions where the snake rode on the horse's legs because the horse comes after snake. So in that one, what happened is similar to the ox and rat situation. The snake caught a ride on the horse and then right at the end managed to dart ahead and become ahead of the animal that had given him a ride, which is not very nice. But another version is that the horse and the goat arrived at about the same time and they were very polite and let each other, you know, go back and forth on who gets to go first. And so they became number seven and number eight. The monkey fell a little bit behind and then the rooster, of course, is not going to move too quickly. The dog, uh, one version I've heard says that the dog stopped in the river to take a bath because he really needed one and he wanted to be clean when he showed up. And then the pig was lazy and stopped partway through and ate somewhere and then kept going. That's the story I've heard anyway. So that's the 12 zodiacs. So again, it goes rat, ox, tiger, rabbit, or cat, dragon, snake, horse, goat, monkey, rooster, dog, and pig. 
And generally they're in that order, like I said, with the exception of cat versus rabbit in some countries. And here we get into another one of the sort of backstabby moments. So one thing that's pretty universal in any of the stories that doesn't include the cat in the Zodiac is that the cat was tricked by the rat. And that's why cats now chase rats. So basically it's a this is why this happens sort of story. So most of the tales say that the cat and the rat didn't like each other very much, but there's also versions where they start off as friends. Either way, the cat is known for being not lazy, but just sleeps in, you know, doesn't, doesn't get up early. So he asks the rat to wake him up. In the stories where the rat and the cat are enemies, generally speaking, what happens is that the rat doesn't wake him up the next day to run to the feast or run the race. And so the cat gets left behind and doesn't make it into the cycle. Uh, the stories where the cat and the rat are friends, most often what happens is that the cat and the rat get to the river together. The ox gives both of them a ride, but then partway across the river, the mouse, excuse me, the rat pushes the cat into the water and the cat doesn't make the race. Some versions are even more awful and say that the cat actually drowns. So it's definitely not a super friendly story. But no matter how you look at it, the rat does something to keep the cat from getting to the feast or run the race. And those stories are why, like I mentioned, the it's sort of a fable to explain why cats chase rats and go after them so much. Obviously, now... A days we know that it's more of a prey situation and they eat them and you know all these kinds of things but at the time a lot of cultures liked to have a story to explain why these animals did it because they didn't have the scientific knowledge about behavior and stuff that we have now so this was one of the ways that a lot of asian cultures explained it and i will say um i'm not familiar with the story for the like i mentioned the vietnamese zodiac where the cats included I am not familiar enough with it to tell you why it's a cat instead of a rabbit. I did look it up online a little bit to try to figure it out, and I saw one or two posts that mentioned that there's some thought that the reason that it's a cat in Vietnamese Zodiac and a couple others is because the Vietnamese word for rat, mao, I think I'm saying that right, M-A-O, is very, very similar to meow. M-E-O, which is the cat word. So they think that, or excuse me, rabbit, not rat, is Mao. So they think that maybe what happened is just they were so close together that it got confused at some point, but I didn't find a definitive answer while I was doing my research. Okay, so I'm going to head into our break real quick, and then when I come back, I'll tell you some more differences between Eastern and Western zodiacs and astrology. everyone welcome to this week's mid-roll so i'm so excited i'm so 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 excited to tell you about something that i haven't been mentioning yet because we hadn't really officially announced it but coming up oh god it's in it's in a week it's next week oh no um but coming up next week we're going to be starting our streaming game on twitch for nerdsmith and i'm really excited it's called countless heroes and it's very different from what you usually see on Twitch. So there's two big differences. 
One is that instead of streaming one or two days a week, we're going to be streaming five days a week. And it's all the same game. We're doing a West Marches style game where one day of game time is equivalent to a day in real life. Roughly. There's going to be a little bit of fudging here and there where we have to to keep the storylines, you know, continuing normally. But for the most part, the other thing that's really different is the number of players. We have over 10 players. I think it, it I'd have to double check my math, but I believe it's actually 16 players and one DM because our wonderful DM, Logan, you can find him on Twitter at Discover RPG, is amazing and crazy. For anyone who hasn't heard me mention it or who hasn't listened to the Dear DM Nerdsmith episode with Joe talking to Logan and interviewing him about his really long thousand hour campaign, we're basically doing something very similar. I played in that game before and what we did is it was almost every night, several hours every night. We played well over a thousand hours and about six months of time and leveled our characters from one to twenty. So if you want to come see us be crazy and do it all over again, uh, check us out on Twitch starting next week. I will be posting more information on my Twitter very soon, so keep an eye out. I also want to thank World Anvil for partnering with us for this endeavor and just being awesome about all of the information that we can put on there. So if you want to find out more about the world we're going to be playing in, stay tuned because we're going to be posting that to World Anvil in the World Builder so that you guys can follow along with some of what's happening. So that's worldanvil.com and I definitely recommend you check it out. Okay. Welcome back. So, continuing on with zodiacs and astrology. So, another set of differences between Western and Eastern is the elements that they look at. So, you may hear people say things like, oh, I'm a fire sign, I'm a water sign. What they're talking about, for the most part, at least over here in California, is their Western zodiac and what element that their Western zodiac is associated with. For instance, the four elements for the western zodiac are the pretty standard four that you would expect fire air earth and water chinese and eastern astrology also uses the different elements but they actually use five they use metal water wood fire and earth so definitely a little different i mean they don't even mention air which is something most of us think of as an element so that's different but just the way they looked at it and the way they interpreted it was a lot different from Western culture. So looking at the different elements for Western astrology, fire elements, so the fire's zodiac signs, astrology signs, are considered to be very characterized by movement, obsession, and energy. And those include things like Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. And then the air signs are known for being receptive, intellectual, and very aspirational, so they aspire to great things. This includes signs like Gemini, Libra, and Aquarius, which is my sign. So even though the Aquarius is the water bearer, it's actually an air sign. And then the earth signs are known for being very functional, so they're, they're very practical and functional, practicality and solidity or you know be just being very stable and reliable 
and those include the Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn. And then the water signs are known for being more emotional, more compassionate, and more perceptive, and those include Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces. So for the Chinese zodiac, only four of the elements actually get used to go with the different animals. So they don't actually use earth for whatever reason. But in terms of what they represent, wood represents things like creativity, luxuriance, blooming, and flourishing. Uh, Fire represents enthusiasm and passion. Earth represents nurturing, stability, and security. Metal is ambition, determination, progress, and persistence. Water is aptitude, brightness, agile mind, and mental strength. And then they each also have a virtue. For wood, the virtue is benevolence. For fire, the virtue is propriety. For earth, the virtue is fidelity or honesty. For metal, it is righteousness. And for water, it is wisdom. So they do still have associations with different traits. They're just different than the ones that we're looking at with the Western Zodiac, which, considering they're two different Zodiacs, is not surprising. Okay, and then I'm noticing that I'm getting closer to needing to end the episode, so I'm going to try to go through some of the rest of this a little faster. So another couple of differences between Eastern and Western astrology and Zodiacs is that in the Western astrology, we actually use a couple of extra things to determine what the person's going to be like. One of them is the planets. The Asian zodiac does not use the planets really to determine this. And by not using the planets, what I mean is that, you know, you've probably heard terms like Mars ascending and stuff like that. So basically, whatever planet is most active in the sky or is rising whenever you're born and things like that, then is supposed to have an influence on your character, depending on where it is in the sky, and it can help predict the future. The Asian astrology tends to look more at things like weather patterns or climactic weather changes, seasons, and also how the moon is affecting the earth. So is the moon full? Is the moon quarter? Things like that, as opposed to where the planets are. All the different planets in Western astrology do have different representations in terms of what they represent for the person who falls into that sign, but there's so many and I'm running out of time, so I'm going to skip it. If you want to look it up online, though, you should be able to find it in a lot of different places. So another thing that's different is qualities. Specifically, they call it qualities, and it's not something that exists quite the same in Eastern zodiacs and astrology. So in Western astrology, there's three different qualities. There's cardinal, fixed, and mutable. So any of the signs that falls under cardinal is someone who's more dynamic, authoritative, active, and energetic. And then anyone who's fixed is more concrete, limited in terms of potentially limiting themselves, purposeful, and conscientious. And then anyone who's mutable is supposed to be very moving and adaptable, harmonizing, and versatile. So those are all the different ones and what they stand for. The rough equivalent in Eastern medicine is yin versus yang. Technically, that is the Asian zodiac's version of the qualities. 
I will say there's a lot of interpretation that goes into yin versus yang. Honestly, Suzanne White, who wrote the book that I primarily used for this, in addition to just whatever knowledge I had bouncing around in my brain, even flat out says that she doesn't 100% understand it. So I'm not even going to pretend to say that I completely understand it because I really don't. There's a lot of little intricacies to it. And whether something's yin or yang can be very, very different depending on what's going on in the sky. There's a lot going into it. And a lot of people sometimes get the misinterpretation that yin versus yang, one is male, one's female. And that's not true. It's not, that's not quite accurate. It gets interpreted that way sometimes, but it's not quite right. Um, and honestly, there there's not a simple way to do it, to describe it. Uh, the very, 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 very basic description based off of what some of the characteristics of those two are. Yin tends to be more interested in what happens in groups. They're a little more social and outgoing. And Yang tends to be more of a loner. They're less social and they don't care about other people as much. Not, well, that might be stretching it a little bit. Not that they don't care, but just they're more interested in internal stuff as opposed to external. So in terms of a simplified version, very simplified, this is not 100% accurate, you could say that yin tends to be someone who's more extroverted and yang tends to be someone who's more introverted. This is not 100%, but simply based off of the descriptions of yin versus yang, that's pretty much the closest, easy-to-digest equivalent I can come up with. Because most people know what that means. For anyone who's not familiar or has never looked up the definitions of extrovert versus introvert, the way I've had it explained to me before that made the most sense is think about where you feel most energized. Extroverts feel most energized with other people. It's like they get their energy from being around other people. Whereas introverts get their energy from being alone and having calm, quiet time to collect themselves and really be internal and not have to interact with people. That's that's what makes them feel better and more energized. So that's an easy way to look at it. It's very simplified, obviously, but it's an easy way to look at it. And most people are some sort of split of extrovert versus introvert. I know I took one of those Myers-Briggs personality tests a long time ago, and I was an ESTP, so I was extroverted, sensing, which means I like details, which is very, very true, thinking, which means I like analyzing those details, also true, and perceiving, which means I like to gather lots of information before I make a decision. So that's very much me. I like being around people. I like gathering information and processing it. And oh, another thing is that thinking versus, excuse me, sensing versus intuitive is also, do you remember things like details or do you remember things like the color and the feel of what it was like being there? So like if you go to Disneyland, do you remember what color Dumbo's hat was when you rode the ride? Or do you remember the feeling of soaring through the air? So that's a whole different episode of Geek Thyself that I could actually I could probably do that. That'd be fun. But going back to the zodiacs and astrology, sorry. So very, very oversimplified. Yin is extroverted people. Yang is introverted people. Again, 
not 100% accurate, but the easiest to digest little snippet I could come up with. And back to the rising signs that I mentioned earlier having to do with the planets. So the Western astrology specifically deals with what planet is rising when you're born, not just what one is influencing you in other places, but specifically which one is rising while you're born. And that is supposed to influence more of your inner nature as opposed to what you necessarily express outwardly. And then, I mean, there are so many different things. Oh, one thing I haven't mentioned yet that's very, very, very different. I probably should have mentioned it earlier, but I forgot, honestly. So another big difference between the way the Asian calendar works in terms of determining zodiacs and the way that the Western calendar works is that because of how the Asian calendar splits up the year and because it doesn't follow the same exact progression as the Western calendar, if you're using the Western calendar, so if you're looking at, you know, January through December, January 1st is the beginning of the year. Well, most of the time, if you look at a calendar and look into either the end of January or beginning of February, that's when you'll see Chinese New Year on the calendar. And it changes every year because it depends on lunar cycles. So that's why it's so changeable and why it's never quite the same. The reason this is important is because the Chinese calendar uses the lunar cycle and not the regular 28 to 31 day month. So someone who's born early enough in the year, for example, I was born in February, anyone who's born early enough in the year, usually January or early February, could potentially, according to the Eastern Zodiac, still be part of the end of that previous year. So uh, that's a little confusing. So to make it make more sense, I was born in 85, 1985. The 1985 Chinese New Year was after my birthday. And because it fell after my birthday, if you strictly go off of the Asian calendar, according to that, I'm actually a rat and not an ox. And honestly, I've looked at both descriptions and I have some elements of both. I don't want to blast my birthday out onto the internet because that's potentially bad. But I will say that I am only a few days before the end of 1984, according to the Asian calendar. So I've always suspected that, at least in terms of astrology, one of the reasons why I might have so many traits from both the ox and the rat is because I fell so close to the end of the year. I fell so close to the end of rat, beginning of ox, that I just ended up with a little bit of each. However, obviously, with any kind of astrology and zodiac, you should take it with a grain of salt. Just because your zodiac sign says that you should be really practical doesn't mean you can't have a frivolous streak. And just because your astrological sign says you should be really hot-headed doesn't mean you could have a really good control on your temper and not be hot-headed at all. You know, there's a lot of interpretation in a lot of this. I think it's a really interesting subject to be honest and no offense to anyone who thinks of it as being more accurate or true to life. I find it very enjoyable and I think it's kind of cool when things do line up, but I also feel like it's a little bit more of a mythology 
at least especially with the Asian one because of the old stories. I feel like it's a little bit more of a mythology and not just strictly this is my sign so I have to be this way because there's a lot of people who don't fit their sign perfectly. Now, one of the things that's touched on in the new astrology book that I used for today's episode, the one by Suzanne White, is that because you're melding both zodiacs together, that's why you get more variation in people and why someone who's an Aries is not going to be the same necessarily as another Aries. Because even though they're both Aries, they're also influenced by what their zodiac, Asian zodiac sign is. For example, my brother, my husband, and my father are all Aries. I'm surrounded by them. And technically, generally speaking, Aries don't get along with Aquarians. I like to say that because I grew up with so many of them, I got used to it. But the fact is that even though all of my (laughs) immediate male relatives are Aries, they were all born in different years, and none of them is the same Asian zodiac sign. So per Suzanne White's book, that's what the change is. That's why things are so different. It's one of the reasons why my relationship and how I get along with my father is not the same as how I get along with my brother. It's not the same as how I get along with my husband, because even though they're all Aries, it's all different years. And so the way that their two signs meld and interact is very different. That's one of the things that I think is really cool about this particular book. And to be honest, like I said, I take all of this with a grain of salt. But in terms of astrology books that I've read and things I've looked up, this book was one where I felt like it was the most accurate to myself. It wasn't incredibly, incredibly specific because honestly, none of them are. But it was more specific than some and more accurate than a lot that I've used. So if you guys think that sounds like something interesting, I would definitely recommend checking it out. I know I've seen it on Amazon and some other bookstores online. Again, it's called The New Astrology, a unique synthesis of the world's two great astrological systems, the Chinese and Western, and it's by Suzanne White. That's S-U-Z-A-N-N-E and then White. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and... With that, I'm going to call it an end because I'm already running over, and I will talk to you guys next week. Please remember to check out the other wonderful podcasts and productions here at nerdsmith.org. I'll be back next week with a new and interesting topic, and until then, don't forget to geek thyself. Hello, fans of Critical Role. Do you mean to make your music more melodious? Do you seek to sing like Scanlan Shorthalt? We'll look no further than Crosswords, a new video series from the creator of the Critical Role Hamilton mashup album. And also this song. Crosswords with Will Crossway. Advice and analysis for the musician at the gaming table. Available on nerdsmith.org or wherever you watch your YouTube videos. YouTube, right? Probably YouTube.